Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. I'm Drew Hardy, joined, as always, by Derek Brissett. Derek, it's been a tough week for Toronto rugby fans, to say the least. And, yeah, it seems as though uh, that race for the playoff has just got all that little bit harder. You know what, Stu, speaking of races, before we get into this, you neglected to actually explain what artificial water is last episode. You mentioned it at the start of the last episode. You said you were going to bring it back, and then we never actually got back to it. And when I was editing the episode, I remembered our artificial water conversation. And you never explained what exactly artificial water is to me. And unless it's on Drive to Survive, I don't really watch F1 ever. So I still haven't actually looked at any of this. So the floor is yours to explain to me what artificial water is now. Okay, so... Please feel those... free to use any and all visual aids that you have as well. Because I have Okay. All right. So uh, the Miami Grand Prix was held this um, past weekend. And it's held at Miami Garden. So Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. So it's held in... Oh, where basically, the Dolphins play? Yeah, where the Dolphins play. It's where basically... In the surrounding uh, parking lots and uses some of the roads that are available at that junction. So the original plan was that uh, Miami or the FIA or whoever's in charge wanted to have it in the ports of uh, Miami by the actual marina. But that had a lot of complaints about it. And the owner of Hard Rock Stadium was like, oh, we want to host it instead. So they did that. And one of the things that they were doing to promote the race was they would bring in yachts that would be in a normal marina, mm-hmm. put them in the parking lot, and then um, have a basically a reservoir in which they would pour water in. So it's like, oh, the, here are some yachts on water, just like in the marina. Um, however, they got planning permission to bring in the yachts, but not to actually fill any water in. So what they did was they printed out vinyl of like pool water. So if you were to see an image of pool water, it'd just be like that and stuck them around the boats. So it's like tiles. Kind of, yeah. Like a a laminate flooring that's painted to look like. Did it look good? This is the weird. Everyone was making jokes about it when it was done, but when you look at like helicopter shots of the race, right, it, you got to send me pictures. You got to send me pictures. I have to judge this. Both the funny ones and these helicopter pictures. Yeah. So during the race itself, when they were like tracking the cars going around the circuit, especially around this corner, which had it, you know, it looks it looks like water. It looks good instead oh, of it actually looked good. Eh? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. If it if it was actual water, it would just reflect what the sky looked like. And if it's not a blue sky, then it's just going to look like a grey, like dump instead. So it, I think it worked out in the end. But you know, it had its fair. I'm share googling of pictures of this now. Oh my yeah. gosh, that looks very silly up close. It looks silly up close, but at a distance, it it lo- it works. It looks like like. PlayStation 2 game. Yeah. Like it has a very. There's like people standing on the water. That's hilarious. Yeah. Get the, the full Jesus vibes at the uh, the, the F1 race here. Yeah. Walk on water. That's kind of cool. I've never walked on water before. 
Yeah. Uh, I can't find a helicopter angle, though. I just find, like, the hilarious... Yeah, there's, like, people, like, standing on the water. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Funny. There was a lot of pictures um, when they release images, but... You know, you'll have to watch the race, or probably more accurately, watch Drive to Survive, and they'll have a helicopter shot of uh, the race there. Which so MLR team needs to put fake water around their stadium, like fake pool party vibes to it? I, I think MLR. you could. Uh, I think you could pull it off with San Diego. You know, because they've they've technically got a track around there. So the, imagine the, if they had a moat on the roof around. of the parking lot. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be good. That would be yeah. If, if San Diego make the playoffs and they're in a position to host one of the games, then by all means, get uh, get the artificial water out and maybe, uh, have a most. Maybe game. we need an, a Miami expansion team, and we can like go full in on this. LA kind of feels like the team that should have like an actual like pool party at their stadium. Yeah, that, I wouldn't like say LA, one, but like that you can actually. Yeah, they, they'd actually bring in a real pool with real water and. Yeah, exactly. All the uh, all the guys doing like the noodle bags halftime show can go hang out in the pool after. It's a seamless transition. Yeah, makes sense. Anyway, uh, let's focus back on our rugby on our rugby podcast. And uh, <laughs> who won the race? I have to, you have to film uh, Max, Max Verstappen and oh, Red course. Bull, of course. Um, so yeah, we've been avoiding the subjects as long as we could, but we have to talk about the game against New York this uh past Sunday. It was, it was not pleasant viewing for any Arrows fan. Um, yeah, it was just you know, a lot of anticipation, especially for the game because the Arrows are coming off a bye week. So, you know, we're looking forward to seeing um, players back from injury, ready to get into this match. Uh, it did not pan out as well as it could. Um, first try scored by New York in the seventh minute, followed up by Ed Fidow in the 11th minute, then Jack Hyten in the 18th minute, and then Ed Fidow again in the 23rd minute. That is a bonus point within 16 minutes. And the only bright spot in that is that Cole Brown getting Bonus his first start. 23 minutes. So, yeah, within 23 minutes. But 23 from, minutes. From, from, from the seventh. That bad. It wasn't that bad. Still. From seventh minute, from the first try in the seventh minute to the fourth try in the 23rd minute. That is oh, that's what minutes. you're saying is 16 yeah, minutes. That, oh. Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. Um, All right. But the only like reprieve is that getting his first start for the Arrows and in MLR, Cole Brown. Scrum half um, got his first try in the twenty-first minutes, and that was so. That's great to see. But then, obviously, as I mentioned, Ed Fidow got his try in the twenty-third minute, and that was the bonus point wrapped up. New York storming ahead, and then at the uh, start of the second half, the it looked as though New York um, were going to score another try, but um, it was called back for a forward pass. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Lalani Paleva scored a try in the 48th minute. That was an automatic seven-pointer. So, you know, getting back into the game. Then Sam Malcolm scoring a penalty in the 52nd minute, brought it up to 17. And unfortunately, that was the last time Toronto scored. You know, Toronto were pressing, but they kept making such silly errors, silly handling errors, passing to passing to the space where players had been instead of where the player needed to be. And uh, sure enough, in the 60th minute on the hour mark, Dylan Fawcett got another try, adding to his impressive total in MLR. 
Um, four minutes later, Brendan O'Connor got his. And then finally, to add salt to the wound, uh, Fuatai scored in the 79th minute to wrap up the game. Um, the uh, only reprieve I can say um, from those tries is that Jack Hayton only scored two of them. So Hayton um, would not make a kick at all. Yeah. In this yeah. He couldn't, he couldn't even convert his own try. Yeah. Um, and Sam Windsor. Uh, got the final conversion of uh, Fuatai's try. Uh, the game had a moment to restart, but it was kicked straight into uh, New York hands after a Toronto knock-on. And then it was just... Uh, I think there was another push to try and get another try, but uh, then the New York players were like, no, yeah. let's just end it. And finally did. Final score, 17-41. And this... Now... This is the Arrows' fourth game this season in which they've been unable to accumulate any table points. So their game against uh, Houston two weeks ago, they didn't get anything from that. The game against um, LA, they didn't get any table points from that. And the game against Seattle at the start of the season, they didn't get anywhere with that. And now they are 11 points adrift from third place in the playoff race. And yeah, it's it's not good enough. Essentially, it's not good enough for the playoffs at this point. No, yeah, obviously, um, this game is a this loss is a big blow um, to the playoff races. Obviously, New York was coming into the game with a six point lead, six point lead, seven point lead already, and yeah, the the bonus point victory. Uh, you know, brings them actually past Atlanta now because Atlanta got lit up by Lance Williams. And oh, we'll talk there. about that game later. Yeah. But, uh, um. So thanks, Utah. That's a that was a that was a big favor. At least it keeps uh, Atlanta in check a little bit too. Um. So yeah, I guess the 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 outlook now being that as you said, eleven points back of Atlanta now. Um. As New York's win leap, leapfrogged them, so eleven points back of Atlanta. Um. Basically, before kind of getting into the analysis of this game, you're basically looking at a uh, like the arrows are. I mean, they were probably in full playoff mode going into this game, anyways. But like, can't lose again. It's you know, eleven points is like the the magic number right now is fifty. Right, there's four games left, five points max in each game. Currently sitting on thirty points, so the magic the magic number is fifty. Right, like you have to. That's the most points that you can get, but at the same time. Um, that's all New York and Atlanta need to get there. So ultimately, I mean, talking to some of the players after this game, um, especially Mike Shepard, uh, and we'll try to, I'll get the uh, video of his uh, post-match press conference up on our YouTube page as well. But like he, he was uh, definitely still, despite the loss, really keeping a, quite the positive attitude um, as far as the outlook on the season. So, I mean, there's, there's obviously always still going to be that hope until you're mathematically out of it, right? You never know what could happen. Yeah. Atlanta has been playing brutal in the past couple of weeks, too. So, yeah. um, it's, you know, it, 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 it could still happen. The arrow still it ain't over till it's over. Not over till it's over. Uh, arrow still have to play Atlanta. You got two games against the two worst teams in the league. And you have, right, in uh, Dallas yeah. this week, Old Glory is the last game of the season. Mixed in with, um, you know, Atlanta, the team that you it looks like you're going to have to catch. So that's going to be a – they're all huge now, but that'll be an especially yeah. big one. And then the Free Jacks, which is – that's going to be a tough one because that's going to be a short turnaround, right? Um, yeah. So either way, though, 
back. So that's kind of the outlook. Have to win every game. The players still seem like they're the, there's the positive energy that they still kind of have um, going into the, or that they they look like they're trying to keep uh, keep a hold of going into the final. Like you said, it's not over till it's over. They can they're not mathematically out of it, so that means you're not out of it yet. But it's definitely an uphill battle. To the actual game itself, I think I think it's just this game seemed to be a kind of a mix of. New York seemed to have the perfect game plan yeah. Um, for this or the perfect, you know, just they seemed to know. It seemed like everything that the Arrows wanted to do, New York knew they were going to do it before the Arrows did it. Yeah. Um, it was especially like the, especially on the tries, like those tries were like seamless um, yeah. on a lot of occasions. Right. Um, but I think, I think for me, like one of the biggest things from this game too is I think it's like the start kind of epitomizes it a little bit. And it's, it's something that we've talked about on previous episodes. Um, yeah. It's something that we've brought up a lot. The very first play of the game, Sam Malcolm kicks off Ronan Foley, who has probably been the arrows best player this year. Yeah phenomenal kick chase off the uh, off the opening kickoff makes a tackle poaches the ball earns a penalty immediately right or tries to post yeah. the ball, earns a penalty at the ruck however he did yeah immediately sam malcolm steps up kicks the ball down into the corner like this game's 30 seconds old the arrows are already have a five meter uh, line out five meters out yeah. right and it's held up um, uh, Tuoloma comes away with the ball. Um, good defense from uh, from the um, good defense from New York, and you know it's uh it's one of those it's another example of the arrows get in the twenty two or even closer within ten within five and can't capitalize on it right and yeah. you know that's one of those plays that could definitely set the tone for the game. You come, you know they there's the opportunity to be up five or seven, nothing within the first minute of the game. Right. Yeah. In which, you know, like you said, kind of coming off a bye week home game, biggest game of the season, the amount of energy that that could have brought into York Lions stadium would have been immense, but New York shuts it down to their credit. It was to their credits. Good, good mall defense. Um, New York's mall is the thing that's their bread and butter, right. Is uh, the both on the attacking and defending side of that. Um, so, that was tough. And then obviously New York just comes right back down the field um, yeah. seven minutes. And, you know, six minutes later, they get their they get their own mall five meters out to Loma comes off the back of the mall, bounces off one arrows defender and scores. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like they got like New York got it, got their opportunity to open to, you know, take the lead early in the game and they jumped on it. Yeah. Right. And then as you kind of mentioned floodgates kind of opened and you know, it's as we kind of talked about, it's like you have Ed Fido gets two tries. Heighten gets another one um, in between Fido's two tries. And, you know, even like going through the game, it was like New York scored tries two ways in this game. They had two malls lineup malls. Yeah. They had two Aloma Fawcett in the 60th minute. And then it was just a lot of counterattacks 
up until the last play of the game in which they were, looked like they were kind of trying to kill the clock. And then Fuatai just ended up open and was like, I'm going to go score anyways. Yeah. Um, but the other tries in the middle of the game were just, they're just, they're off like counter attacks. And there was O'Connor scored off a scrum really fast off the, like it was two phases off a scrum yeah. um, for O'Connor's tries, but like Ed Fiddles for Ed Fiddles first try, it's a, um, an errant pass goes to deck it's scooped up immediately by New York and just um, New York looked like their game plan was like, as soon as the ball is turned over, it's going to fit wing. Ed fit Jason Emery and Fiasse Fuatai absolutely scorched the arrows defense this entire game. Yeah. Like just every time they touched the ball, it was a line break. It was through a gap it was often a gap between the centers, whether that was um, Detoy, uh, Tafuga, and Matt Hood. Like the gap yeah. was between those three guys almost every time. Um, and then, you know, whichever forward was out covering on the wing, too. Um, so the first try immediately turned over and they just fly it out to fit out. All the arrows are jumping off the line way too fast. Um, it's just kind of disorganized, fit out just guns it down the wing try um you know same thing heighten again later so heighten is a a, a kick right they got that that's a counter attack off a kick which matt hood actually has a really good kick chase from but mm. no there's no one's really in position to help out after his yeah. actual good yeah. kick chase and again it's a, right it's like fit starts running and it's like you kind of look at it new york's got like a four on one like running down the wing. Um, and then it's basically just a matter of, you know, I know uh, like the arrows def- defense kind of tries to come over and cover, but it's really at that point though, it's just a matter of picking which guy is going to score this try. Right. And um, you know, they cleanly finish it off. Heighten finishes that one off, uh, you know, later again, fit out another, the same thing. It's another counter off a kick prior just gathers the prior well prior doesn't gather but he grabs the ball off the guy that gathered it and just takes off and there's emery emery's there again uh fiddles coming through the middle this time like it was just every single time it's down the same it was counterattack. the arrows would kick the ball to us the arrows would kick the ball to new york new york on the first phase would go all the way to i guess in the first half the near side wing, if you're watching it on TV. So to New York's left, they would go down their left wing and it was just try, try, try. Um, there was no tries in this game that were like, oh, New York is like running through phases, grinding yeah. down Toronto's defense, right? It was all just very like, oh, here's a turnover. Here's a turnover. Here's three passes we scored. Yeah. Turnover, three passes we scored. Um yeah. So that was, yeah, so that was tough. And then obviously, too, you got um, O'Connor's try where it's like they, which is a little bit different because it's so they have a scrum kind of in the middle of the pitch, right? And they come off and it's like the first phase and they run immediately again at the Toronto Arrow centers. Um, or I think, yeah, Malcolm between, they look to run between Malcolm and the centers, right? So um, that's kind of like seemed to be an area of the field that they were targeting. All the arrows come back, um, coming out of the scrum, come back to defend. Everybody shifts 
to from the arrow's point of view to the left side of the ruck. Right. And then Kiri Kiri just walks in on walks in, picks up the ball and goes to the right side of the ruck where there's nobody. He's caught from behind. But at that point, Emery's already there for an offload. Right. And again, he's gone. And then it's just a couple passes to get the ball out to the wing again. And they end up and they, you know, O'Connor ends up getting a try there, too. Right. So it's like a lot of their tries were just they were very quick and probably too many of them that you can describe as probably too easy. Like, you know what I mean? Just tries that um, like you wouldn't you don't really want to like even like on the counterattacks is like the arrows D like just opened up like really quick. Um, a lot of times, you know, watching those plays, it was like guys jumping off the line too early, leading to gaps. Um, New York kind of able to, you know, use some skip passes too to get the ball out wide. The overlap was there really quickly they were able to create that on almost every try and there yeah didn't really like there's a lot of times it was like the you could there's just so many line breaks um so many holes in, in the defense and then it uh it really accumulated to a lot of tries but like it, it's you know it, all the tri- with the exception of Fuatai's try at the end of the game where New York was kind of in, we're going to kill the clock mode, but still ended up opening up a ton of gaps in the defense. Um, right. It's like the first, you know, there's the two mall tries and then four tries that from uh, two from Fidel heightens and O'Connor's where it was just, it, it took like from either a counter attacker in O'Connor's case um, off the scrum. It took like one phase at most to open up the arrows defense, which just, you know, that's uh like you said, it's a that's a tough one, right? Because it's a you know it's a must win game at home coming off a of bye week, um, and uh, yeah, just a not just yeah not just not good enough on the day. Um, yeah, uh, New York New York played well. Like I said, every time Futai, Fidel, or Emery touched the ball, like it was just racking up meters. Um, those three guys were insane. Yeah, man. I don't know. I've kind of ranted on for a little bit here, Stu. Anything to add to this? What do you? What do you? What were your thoughts on the game? I thought it was a masterclass in showing uh, defense and counterattack from like rocket play from New yeah, York. New York especially. was really good. Yeah. Like any time Toronto were getting close into um, uh, New York's twenty-two, it just seemed as though. New York had like an extra man on the pitch. They were just all in the right places where they needed yeah. to be. There was no gaps to come through. There was, and then it was just like the pressure seemed to get to a few of the arrows players. There were passes that were going to no one. There were, you know, at the I think easy the knock-ons and yeah and yeah it was and it was definitely within like the final uh, ten or fifteen minutes. But yeah. it's a I, I symptom. think at the end of the game, knowing the situation, they, it looked like a lot of guys were trying to force stuff and try to make things happen. Yeah, it yeah yeah it seems to be like a symptom of a bigger problem within, um, like the arrows players' um, playing mentality at the moment. Because when things go great, as shown against New Orleans, it you know everything goes really well and the momentum stays with them. They end up putting in like their best performance that they have of the season. But when things go wrong, it all just collapses. There's no 
clear-headedness, I think is like what I'm trying to get across as in when, when it's been that bad and it's been, you know, bad in other games as well. This isn't just like a one-off thing. This is is just the most points they've given up all year. That is, but in the sense of, you know, you could have momentum going your way, but the second that, you know, know, Oh yes, no, it is. It is the most points they've given up all year. They haven't given up more than 30 points in a game this season. Yeah. Wow. Wait, didn't they give up 30 points against uh, LA? Oh, yes. No, they gave up. Th- yeah, they got 31. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was just. But in but in, in even against that game in LA, is, um, against LA even, um, as soon as um, LA were able to pull a few things together, um, it just all went LA's way. And anything Toronto did wasn't enough to get them back into the game because we've we've had three games in which the arrows have been unable to score in a half so against seattle and la it was in the second half against houston it was in the first half the arrows did score in both halves this game to say not in this game yeah i think but but i still feel as though this was like their worst performance of the year Uh, and i and i want to say so far Oh, well, I don't well, I want think, to say so far. Is what I want mean to say. As I in, it's the game against Seattle. You could say, okay, that was the first game of the season. It's the like four time zones away. Um, but you know, and it's also the game against Houston as well. This game, something, something seems amiss. Yeah, and I, I and I don't know what it is. X factor, whatever you want to call it. It just seems as though. The pressure is getting to the arrows at the moment. That's the fun part of having a podcast about sports sometimes, right, Stu, is you uh, sit you sit here and are like, oh, these are all the problems with this team. I have no idea how to fix this. Um, hey, if I knew how to fix it, I'd be coaching the arrows. That's not, yeah, not, talk, not talking about them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a good thing that there's people smarter than us that uh, actually. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think they played worse against Houston. I think even in this game, like there's a – like. After Fido's second try, like they don't, New York doesn't score again until the 60th minute with Fawcett. Um, and in that time, like the arrows were actually were playing pretty well. Um, you know, they were, they, they were doing, uh, they were doing well to control, like Mirez, Malcolm were controlling a bit of territory a little bit. Um, they were good at the breakdown. Um, Set piece was hit and miss at different points in the game, but I feel like in the middle it was a little bit better, right? Like they played, uh, they played like pretty decent rugby at least in like during the middle of this game, but you know, three tries in the last twenty minutes and four tries in essentially the first twenty, right? Um, kind of are the downfall ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Like so, it's like they played pretty well during that stretch in the middle, um, but. Yeah, just uh, I think the, the biggest thing, though, I think is like even during the like the kind of the middle stretch of this game, too. They had some nice defensive plays. Malcolm had a great tackle on prior that saved a try kind of late in the half, um, which looked like it was going to go a long way to keeping the Toronto Arrows in the game for a bit. Um, obviously, there's the moment, too, where. Uh, Malcolm hits a penalty in the 52nd minute and that, you know, despite being down 17, nothing. Um, to start the game, basically, right? The first 20 minutes, you're already down 17-0. Um, 
despite that, the arrows in the 52nd minute, the air, Malcolm's penalty, it brought the arrows back to a one possession game. Yeah. And then eight minutes later, it all f- completely fell apart again. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it was a, definitely, definitely a tough, a tough game to watch, I guess on like, yeah, I think, I think New York played this, but I think one of New York's best games yeah. of the year. Um, it was interesting talking to Andrew Cole after the game who also played great. And, uh, you know, I guess has to um, with a nice little homecoming for him, I would imagine. Probably, I feel like this is the game that I saw like the most opposing team fans ever that I've ever seen at an Arrows game. And I feel like a lot of that was yeah. just because Andrew Coe was playing for New York. Yeah. Andrew um, Coe and Quinn Nowady. Yeah, but uh, Andrew Cole, like being specifically like from here, playing for yeah. a club that's like down the road from um down the road from the even like in Toronto here in Markham. Um, I feel like, yeah, there was a, a little bit more. I'm imagining most of it is just his family and friends of the uh, New York yeah. fans, but it seemed like a little bit a little bit higher than usual as far as the traveling fan base goes. Well, well, I do know there were a few uh, mothers over from New York to support their uh, baby boys. In, oh, were there? Uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I actually, um, yeah, Dylan Fawcett's parents had come to watch the game as well. Oh, that's so cool. That's good. That was great to see. Um, and, uh, you know, but, you know, so, some people obviously had a lovely Mother's Day and uh, some didn't go to the plan. But, yeah. uh, You're sidetracking me, though, because I didn't, I wanted to actually get to the point that Andrew Cole made um, mm-hmm. in his in his post-match thing. But they was talking about how, uh, like, they were they were kind of all again i'll get this one up on youtube too he was kind of talking about how like new york's home field in hoboken the uh the glorious home of the red high, the red wings high school football field yeah. um it's more narrow right so they so they can't play this wide expansive attacking game that they did against the arrows oh, right because they they can't play that on their home field and you know, the Toronto Arrows playing on York Lions Stadium being like a full-size proper rugby pitch, right, kind of allowed them to attack the Arrows' edges, which is obviously when you have wings like Ho is something that, like, New York definitely looks to do. And it, it's honestly, it's made me curious. Like, I want to go back and watch, you know, highlights or clips or whatever of a lot of, like, New York's road games versus their home games. Um, just kind of just like Fido's obviously been racking up the tries this year. Um, but I thought it was super interesting how it's like, it seems like, cause they had so much success going, attacking wide, attacking yeah. the edges of Toronto. Right. Um, on both sides. Like, I mean, Fido, Fido's wing was the one that got all the tries, but Cole himself had some big carries. Um, and they, they definitely had some opportunities on that wing as well. But it, it's fascinating to me because it's like, I know in, in a lot of sports, right, like home field advantage is a really big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I remember like even like in, in hockey, um, the NHL used to not really standardize the size of the rink, right? So some teams that played on smaller rinks would be like the more physical teams because you could be more physical on the smaller rink and that would benefit the team. So those teams would build their players to be like, or build their teams around the guys that played, you know, a physical brand of hockey, such as like the Boston Bruins and stuff. Right. Um, Cause their rink used to be a little bit smaller, but then, so I find it very kind of interesting that New York almost kind of seems like a team that 
their home field might be detrimental to the way that they prefer to play rugby in a mm-hmm. weird way. Um, right. Cause it's like this, this attack, this wide attacking game certainly seemed to suit them a lot. And I would imagine like whenever Nahalo gets into a game, um, yeah. like they're probably not changing that cause they're going to have some, I mean, between uh Fidel Cole, Nahalo, like no matter who's on the pitch, they got some lethal wingers. Right. So I would, I would imagine they would like to utilize those lethal wingers, but um, so it's kind of interesting that maybe they get to play more of a, more of the style of attack on the road versus that they want to on the road versus at home. But hmm. I'm, uh, I'll get, I'll get that video of Cole talking about it up, but um, I, I might be reading into it a little bit more than uh, what he actually said as well. But um, it, no, is, it is, it's kind of a fascinating thing because they destroyed Toronto out on the wings in this game. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's an interesting point to make is if you're used to playing on a narrow field or if you're playing yeah. your eight home games on a narrow field and then you go on the road to a wider field, suddenly whole new options come yeah, available for you. It's, um, it's style. Um, yeah. Do you got any positives that you want to talk about from the arrows? We always try to end the end the, uh, the arrows game talks on positives and stuff. Do you have anything? Well, again, I'd say Cole Brown getting his... Um, first try on his first start in um, Arrows Colors yeah. in MLR is obviously something great that we want to see. Cole Brown obviously has been um, unavailable for the first 12 weeks and, of the season, and he was in the uh, academy match. And unfortunately week. got injured in this game, too. Oh, what? An Arrow scrum half injured. What a completely uh, new development. Man, this this is honest. Like, I mean, I know every single team. Well, the good news is the trade deadline ends today. So yeah. we'll the have plenty of time. Deadline. Trade and signing deadline is today. Uh, today, as we're recording two days ago, as you're listening to it. Yeah. Um, we'll get into the only trade that we know of at this point in time later. Um, yeah. This is the most wild injury situation I think I've, yeah. I've seen watching. Rugby. Yeah. The, arrow, the arrows have had seven. Seven. Scrum scrum halves. Halves. Yeah. And um, if you're um, wondering where um, Donato and Gordy are, it's uh, yeah. that they were on the short term. Yeah, short-term deals that uh, because they apparently they have other jobs that they originally had contracts that they had to do. Yeah. Well, like so they- um, remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about this. Like, uh, Donardo was like in Poland. Yeah, he's uh, gone yeah. back to Poland because yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. he's a teacher around Poland. Yeah, and it's wild. They're probably like um, this. Uh, this few days off you needed has gone on for quite a bit. So yeah, but it's even uh like Brody. Sound it sounds like Brody should be back soon. Yeah. Um, so hopefully he's, I'm hoping he's back for Dallas. That would be like, yeah. it's so needed. Yeah. Um, Ferguson played what one game, um, Seattle, he got injured in the first game, right? Yeah. Um, first game, he came on as a sub, yeah. I believe. And then got, got injured. injured in the first, like and the then... first game. And then, uh, Bell was kind of backing up Brody for a bit. He got injured, uh, real against bad against Atlanta. Atlanta. Um, and then, yeah, like Brown, as you said, Brown's been hurt the entire, basically the entire year. He, um, plays for the Academy last week, gets immediately thrown into his first start by his being the only healthy scrum half and then scores a try, an amazing moment. And then unfortunately, you know, the end of the game, it looks like, uh, it looks, you know, he's gets injured too. Um, Sam Reimer, um, you know, 
again, just what just 19 years old from the Oshawa Vikings. Uh, you know, he gets into his first MLR game this year and, you know, first MLR game. And, you know, I think in all honesty, both Brown and Reimer played really well um, for, you know, guys making their debut probably in what is realistically a bit of an emergency situation for the arrows. I know Brown obviously has been on the team the whole year. He's just been injured, but um, yeah, it's just a wild situation. As you said, Stu, they're on uh, Brody, Ferguson, Bell, Donardo, McCrory, Brown, Reimer have all played. And and I guess technically, if you want to throw in Sam Malcolm has technically played scrum half at one point this season too. Yeah. Um, So there's been plenty of... Plenty of different scrum halves on the arrows. It's uh, it's wild looking at like their depth chart. Um, I think so. That was cool. I think other positives too. Uh, Lonnie Faleva um is playing out of his mind right now. Yeah, um, it's his uh, third try in two third, games. Three tries in two games. Um, but it's also like, um, he's getting a ton of carries. He's racking up some meters. Um. You know, getting those like really hard meters too, um, going into contact. Uh, you know, his run like he always he in the last like two games just seems to be like the guy that's running like the perfect support line. Um, yeah. You know, in order to finish off these tries, I liked that in this game he had like the nice like he almost had the nice like winger that scores ten tries a season finish. Yeah, the, uh, the walk under the slowly putting the ball down or whatever. That was a nice move. I like, I like the little bit of swagger there. That was nice. So yeah, he's been absolutely unreal. The arrows got a couple scrum penalties and stuff out of the game too. So um, you know, big part of that being in the front row. Uh, so I like, yeah, he's he's been playing very well. And uh, yeah, as I kind of mentioned earlier, has Ronan Foley been the best player for the Toronto Arrows this year? Yeah, um, pretty much. He was. Yeah, he was outstanding in this game again. Um, setting up both tries, just constantly, you know, constantly involved at the uh, the breakground, insane work rate. Um, yeah, just you know, a phenomenal season from him. And then uh, I still thought Malcolm Malcolm was really good too. Uh, he kind of sh- had some shining defensive moments in this game. Of like I said, he made that one tackle on Prior that caused a knock on that looked to kind of save a try. Um, even with Co out on the wing there, maybe Prior should have used that option but malcolm got to him before anyways and um yeah so like i I think he's been playing well nice to have mirez back too yeah Um, just a little bit more of a calming presence in the at the fullback position but um wild um the biggest positive i think from this game though i don't think it i don't think it was necessarily shown on tv if you didn't watch it so maybe only if you were there um you kind of would have saw it but a whole bunch of the Toronto, they did a, a little rookie rugby um, event after the game. Yeah. Uh, and a whole bunch of the Toronto arrows, like, I mean, between, between guys that actually played in the game and guys that um, are, you know, injured slash weren't dressed to be in the lineup. Um, there's probably a good, like 10 to 50, like 10 ish players that uh, stuck around on the pitch after the game to play rugby with a massive group of kids. Um, So I know, so, you know, which was just amazing to see. And it was like a lot of arrows players that stuck around there. I know uh, like Vicolani and Wadden too were out there still like wearing like their, uh, their match gear. They didn't even bother to like go get changed or anything out of it. And they, 
stuck around for like a good like half an hour at least yeah. um just playing playing rugby with a uh, with a uh with a group of kids right which was really awesome to see that uh that you know all the the uh the initiatives and stuff that you know yeah. the arrows are undertaking to like uh, to grow the game beyond just yeah. um you know be, beyond just kind of like promoting like it promotes the yeah. arrows brand but you know yeah. You unplugged it. Yeah, exactly. You want that next generation of kids and stuff. And I mean, it's, it's really cool to see. I mean, it's something that, you know, myself growing up in Canada, like I, I didn't really get introduced to rugby until high school. Right. So it's like seeing like this group of like all these kids that are like, you know, probably like 10, 11, 12 years old or whatever they were, whatever everybody was um, maybe even younger in some cases, um, but like to see like all these kids that like, getting this opportunity to just go and play rugby. And a lot of it's just kind of like, definitely like messing around, having fun. I think Siaki Vikilani was trying to teach a kid how to do a drop kick, which is awesome. <laughs> um, the perfect man to learn, to learn from, I think. Um, so, uh, like that, that stuff, that's, that was just like really cool to really cool to kind of see. Right. And it's, you know, it's, uh, like one of those really awesome things that which makes going to an arrows game so fun and cool for uh for basically for for everybody involved man there's no no other team in the city is going to let you uh you're like you know let you kind of hang out with the players and stuff after the game especially yeah. you know and necessarily like let the kids go run on the field with the players um as well there was uh they had a whole bunch there's a bunch of guys too that even even if they weren't doing the drills and stuff there's a lot of guys sticking around like signing autographs and um, things like there's a lot of balls and uh, posters and stuff being passed yeah. around for autographs and things like that too. Um, so good on the, the, uh, so there's a lot of definitely a lot of like outreach and, uh, building the fan base and which is, which is super important. I mean, like, um, it was, it was great to see, like, no matter, no matter what happens, man, like you, you're never, you can't like, not every game is going to go your way. Um, you know, but you know, if every time that you can come out to an arrows game, it's like, they create they create a really awesome match day experience and stuff for, you know, people of, of all ages. And if, if every, if all the games are fun and have that super fun, like match day atmosphere, then people are going to um, constantly come out. Right. So yeah, um, you can't, you can, you're not going to win every game, but you know, even whether you win or lose like the game, the game day experience, it should still yeah, be yeah. a ton of fun. And that's what yeah, you have to strive Absolutely. for. Yeah. Um, that yeah. was I just thought that was great to see after the game. So good yeah. on all all the arrows players that stuck around to uh, you know play some rugby with a bunch of kids after that game. Yeah, and so you mentioned about arrows branding getting out there. Well, it was also announced today that the arrows have released their design for their city jersey for the 2022 MLR season, and they will be wearing it against Dallas this coming Saturday. And it's uh, it's pretty good jersey. It's um, you know, similar to the Awake, it has like the cool bet uh, logo with uh, their pan, their panda, their polar bear at the end. <laughs> um, but the um, base of the shirt has the Toronto skyline, so it includes like the CN Tower. Um, and it's silhouetted, it works really well because it's very dark blue, like navy blue against yeah. uh, clouds. And then it and then it mer- merges into the shirt design. And if you're a fan of last year's designs and you're like, oh, I wish I, these shirts had a collar again, well, good news because the collar is back for these city jersey designs. Um, yeah, it looks really good. And, you know, there's also a bit of... Um, 
white at the bottom as well, which contrasts really uh, well with the uh, navy silhouette of the Toronto skyline. Um, yeah, it just looks like a really good jersey to have. And these jerseys will be available. Um, uh, the match-worn jerseys will be signed and auctioned, and the bidding is open now. It's open for the next week, so you have until next Monday, which, if my maths is correct, should be the 16th, to get sure, your bids cool. in. Uh, I think starting bids are $200 and $25 increments from there. Yeah, no, it's uh, I've I've been kind of I've been loving some of these uh these city jerseys that uh the teams have been rolling out. A big fan of the idea of doing a lot of alternate jerseys, and I mean, I know we've we've uh we've talked about a lot on our podcast the whole idea of having last names or selling jerseys with players' names on the backs, and I mean, um, it's uh, the idea of like creating a special jersey specifically, essentially for the purpose of auctioning them off as game worn jerseys, is an idea that uh. That really does work for me. I I, I do enjoy it. Um, I think the uh, the bidding starting at like is I think it's it two hundred dollars. Um, yes, two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars is the opening bid. So, um, yeah, like I, I I mean I think the jerseys look great too. Um, honestly, they're probably my favorite of the city jerseys. I know I kind of say that I don't know. I just like the arrows jerseys. Maybe I'm looking at them with arrows colored glasses, but I feel like <laughs> in general the arrows have uh, the best kit in the league. Um, overall um but i like yeah no i i really like these um that's good i like uh the fact too like i've seen seattle like in contrast because like they kept it like it's still like the blue and white so it's still i mean the picture that the arrows released has a um uh roland uh mccann and uh rumble right and it's you know it's um like there you can see like the shorts and stuff and it looks good with the shorts yeah, right, because it's they kept it blue and white. Yeah. Um, whereas like Seattle's jersey that they wore this week, um, the shirt I thought looked awesome on its own. The uh, yeah. the black with the bright green looks. I thought it looked amazing on its own. But when you watch the game and they had like a different colored shorts and different colored socks um, mm-hmm. from the base of their jersey, it was kind of yeah. kind of looked off a little bit. Um, like you kind of needed to go with some, you know, you needed to bust out the black and black shorts, black socks in order to really pull off that, that kit to me. But, yeah. um, overall, like I thought, uh, I, I think San Diego city kit is their best Jersey. No. <laughs> um, All right. like, but, um, I thought that was, that's their best one. But, um, if, if you recall from the, uh, our episode before the season, I was not a big fan of San Diego's jerseys at all. So I like the city. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Austin's look pretty good too. It's like, I, I like the idea of, um, and, um, obviously old glory's undefeated in theirs. So, mm-hmm. um, that's, it's causing some wins and stuff, but I mean, yeah, no, right. I've, I've been loving it. I love the initiative. Um, get some, uh, get some more kits out, get some kits that are, you know, player specific kits that are yeah. able to be auctioned off the fans and stuff like that too. Um, it's a good idea and, um, you know, looking forward to seeing them wear it under the lights this time. Yeah, there's a 7 p.m. Kickoff yeah, it's 7 p.m. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Nice change. Yeah, yeah, the weather looks good. Set to be uh, about 18 degrees, mm-hmm. uh, according to current predictions. Um, only 20% chance of precipitation. So, yeah, it should be a good opportunity to get out. Um, you know, cooler atmosphere under the lights. Yeah, looking forward to seeing everyone. There this Saturday. Back to back night games now. Yeah. Which is always fun. They got yeah. uh, New England on the 19th right after. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll deal with that later. We got, let's just focus on Dallas at the moment. All right. Now we need to talk about like the other Canadian performances that happened during this uh, round. And we start off with New England versus DC. Now, you know, New England had obviously been on a pretty good one. DC, you know, they put in two wins in their uh, cherry blossom jerseys. But I think this was far closer than a lot of people thought it was going to be. At one point, DC was ahead. Only by a point, but still ahead. And then, unfortunately, New England remembered that they were New England and had a eight-match winning streak that they wanted to extend to nine. So they put in two tries at the end to get them over. However, the final word of the match would go to DC and it would be Doug Fraser getting his second try of the match. And that would leave the final score as New England 26, DC 20. So New England do have now a nine-match winning streak. And that also means that they have become the first team of the 2022 season to secure a playoff spot. Yeah, uh, yeah. New England's been wild this year, man. They've been uh, one of the best teams in the league. Um, yeah, uh, DC. It's it's always kind of funny though, eh? like DC. Uh, you know, one of the one of those games that it's like maybe you don't expect DC to give them as much of a run for their money as they did, but uh, they were able to pull it off in the end. And uh, you know, Doug Frazier, as you mentioned, you know, uh, big two try performance. Um, his first try, uh, Talatenia, unreal pass. Yeah, like, that was a that was like a forty yard pass. Or yeah. maybe not that far, but uh, that was a long pass to get uh, to get Frazier out on the wing. Um, uh, great try, um, great try by both of them. The the pass and the finish, um, and then obviously you know Frazier getting the uh, you know getting the the securing a bonus point for the uh, for for Old Glory. So that's uh, yeah, that's uh, see the big try at the end of the game. Old, I love the the mindset of Old Glory too, man. Like they uh, um, they tried to get that they drop goal from the touchline as the conversion, which went through um, yeah. amazing kick kind of goes to show it's like as late in the game, it's like as late in the game and maybe their season hasn't gone as according to plan for them, but yeah. um, they're definitely still battling. Um, you know, as you said, uh, they had two wins uh, the previous two weeks leading up to this. And then uh, they had, a they put in a really strong performance against the, uh, the, probably the best team in the league right now, but yeah, um, you know, New England's New England, and uh, still have mm. not lost at home, which is wild. Uh, wild. Yeah, yeah, like uh, what a what a record at home, right. which is okay. gonna bode well for you guys because you're gonna probably have home field advantage in the playoffs now too. So, indeed, second game was Utah versus ATL. And, you know, this started off as a pretty close fixture, you know, Lee going back and forth. But then, um, you know, a few uh, haphazard plays came into uh, the game and Utah started to get a big lead. And although I think one of my uh, favorite points in the match was um, the instantaneous response from Rugby ATL after... Uh, I'm trying to remember who scored. Either way, um, Utah scored points. It was a, it was a penalty, it was, and then Connor Cook came back and scored a try in like seven seconds or something. Yes, yeah, so what felt like, like seven seconds? Yeah, it's basically the um, kick. Uh, the restart kick went into Utah's hands. It got fumbled, and then Connor Cook was there to collect and pin the ball down. And yeah, it was just. Uh, 
very intense game. But then uh, right at the end, it was also, it just went all Utah's way, uh, the way of the Warriors. As um, you mentioned earlier, Lance Williams, um, you know, 50 caps in MLR and put on probably his best performance in a Utah jersey that I've ever seen, you know, just here, there and everywhere. Uh, scored two tries himself in the 23rd and 60th minute. And then, um, was it uh, Joseph Mano um, getting the try after uh, Mikey Teo was able to collect the intercept right on like the 80th minute just to really add salt to <laughs> rugby ATL's wound. The final score, Utah 44, ATL 26. And that loss has pushed Atlanta from second in the East to third. And they are now 11 points ahead of Toronto. But they have some pretty tough games coming up. They will face New England this Friday. Then the following week, they'll face New York. These are both away games. Then they face Toronto at home in the Fire and Ice Cup. And then they finish off with Nola Gold. You know, That's what I'm if, saying, man. Like, yeah. It's- Atlanta's schedule is not fun to end the year, dude. Like the arrows, but, but, the, but yeah, but those two games against like New England and New York, can you see them? First of all, can you see them winning? And if you can't see them winning, can you see them leaving with bonus points? Well, so after he, how they played yeah. in the past two weeks. Well, okay, so like I guess that's the thing, right? Is so what they they're nine. So what did we say? The magic number is fifty, right? So yeah. the, the arrows can finish the season on 50 points. They have most. 20 so, available at the moment. Yeah, exactly. So let's say the arrows do that, right? We'll have to keep the faith. They'll go, they'll go, uh, they'll get five points, right? Yeah. All right. So we're going to say, so if the arrows, arrows are going to go four and Oda in the year, which means we're already given Atlanta one loss. Yeah. Right. So, but that's the thing is like Atlanta's got to play the best team in the league. And then the other current playoff team. Yeah. Right. So if Atlanta goes three and one and the arrows are four and oh, are four and oh, picking up some bonus points along the way, that's playoffs. Yeah. I think that math checks out, right? Like it's not Atlanta's schedule to end the year is really hard. Yeah. Um, It's a, as you said, to be honest, I think for the top four, um, yeah teams in the east it is hard because they're all playing each other like, they're all the playing each other yeah the arrows played new york this week uh, then it's new england atlanta, atlanta. Yeah. then in the same week as new york versus atl it'll be toronto hosting yeah. new england it's 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 tough new new york or toronto gets a little bit of a benefit they got the jackals and old glory mixed in there um which are two games that you obviously have that to- is true but i'm also think that yeah. old glory are playing far better than they did Glory's playing really they're, they're, they're playing yeah. so much better than when the arrows last played yeah. them never yeah. mind the start of the season yeah exactly um so that'll that'll be interesting too um, yeah. I mean, it's there. Like, I mean, the math, the math is there. I mean, it's if the math maths, then there's, yeah, math. there's, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a reason you have to play the games, right? Yeah. So you never know what's going to happen, but yeah. Um, yeah. Like it, it, it does work out, man. Like you can Atlanta, like Atlanta hasn't been playing as well as they've been over the past, like during at the start of the year, it's kind of the opposite of old glory, right? Like they've, they're kind of, they're kind of tailing off a little bit. Um, and yeah, so I, th- I think the uh, there's opportunity there. It's definitely going to the arrows need help, 
for sure. Yeah. To make the playoffs, the arrows need help. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that the annoying is, thing. It's that like, help is teams beating Atlanta. I think that help right now is teams beating Atlanta. Obviously, yeah. Atlanta has to play New York, and they're yeah. really close. And I mean, somebody's got to win that game, and somebody's got to lose that game. Yeah. Depending on how far the point gap is, maybe it yeah. won't matter. But um, like, so that's that. Like, it's it's tough. You definitely need help, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, actually, that's something that we should talk about. Um, we could have saved it for later, but I think it's best if we include it now. So it has been announced that today, May 9th, is the trade and signing deadline for the 2022 MLR season. Um, nothing's been updated as the time of recording on the trade wire. However, it has been announced that Cole Davis has been traded to Atlanta so that means there's now four Canadians um, playing for rugby to ATL, and no Canadians at Austin, which I think means that uh, yeah. they they should lose. They should lose <laughs> every game now. Yeah, Austin's the, Austin's now the least favorite team in the league. Exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's a that's a great move um, for Cole Davis at least. Um, you know, definitely not getting any not getting any playing time with Austin. So. Uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully Atlanta can find a can find a use for him, and get him back into get him back into some games. He played really well last year, but you know, obviously, uh, you know, some, some guys coming in, especially uh, Dominguez, right, makes it tough to crack that yeah, awesome lineup, especially when they're having the success that they're having. Yeah. Um, but also, speaking of Canadians, though, we haven't really even touched on the real reason why Utah won this game. Oh yes, um, right. yeah, Emerson that, that, Pryor. First start, yeah. start your but, Canadians yeah. win. It's not hard. Yeah. Okay. You have six games where you don't start Emerson Pryor. You lose them all. You First lose game all. where he starts, you win. You win. Exactly. I mean, there you go. It's not hard. That, that is the math. Math thing. It's not hard. Yeah. Right you there. might you might come up at practice, but you haven't played him yet. Yeah. Um, and uh, now that you play him, yeah. And he was really good too. Good. Yeah. Good, yeah uh, good. Good first start. He had a great game. Yeah, well, exactly. speaking of trade, develop more. Uh, speaking of trades between Atlanta and Austin and wanting Austin to lose, we have the Gillies Cup result, which is between LA and Austin. And this was, you know, a hotly tested uh, match, very close in terms of both attack and defense, as is reflected in the score. And, you know, I think Will Maggie will just be having nightmares of this game for like the rest of the season. Um, but we have to talk about um, the only Canadian involvement on the scoreboard, and that was Ben Lesage getting the first try of the game in the 30th minute, and that was converted by Harrison Goddard. At this point, um, Goddard has already scored a penalty, so this brought LA to 10. Um, and Will Maggie had scored one penalty for Austin at this point. He actually missed from the penalty kicks twice more, so only one out of three kicks. Um, but, you know, Austin refused to let it, refused to roll over, refused to die. And Chris Martina was able to score right in the red, eight, like three minutes over um, 80 minute clock. Will Maggie steps up for the conversion and kicks it wide. LA win back the Gilly Cup. I, I, I can't believe you missed that kick. I know. Like, well, I can't. I can't believe he missed like some of the earlier penalties. I was like, for crying out loud! Yeah, man. like those two, but like, yeah, that uh, missed it by a bus for crying out. Yeah, loud. that yeah, that last kick too, though. Like, it wasn't even like. Again, this is going to be one of those moments where it's like, as a podcast, we'll be like, that seems like a makeable kick for sure. 
even though there's no way I could ever possibly make that kick. Yeah, um, we we expect Will Maggie to. Have yeah, exactly. It's like, it's a, it was definitely a multiple <sighs> kick, and uh, yeah. But then, wow. but then again, my philosophy when it comes to if you're losing a match by two points, you could have also been in a position to not be like seven points behind in the red either. But ah, you know, I mean, but again, this was a this this was a game for the purists, I would say, you know, equally yeah, matched very, in defense and attack. Uh, very see Ben Lesage get the uh, pick up that game winning try. So yeah. oh, always good to see uh, game winning try looks like the way hockey counts game winning goals as in you scored the goal that and the this try that ended up winning the game anyways, no matter what time of the game it actually appeared in. Um, so yeah, good. Uh, now was night. Nice, uh, yeah. Great to see Lesage do that. Lots of a uh, decent chunk of Canadian, uh, Canadian tries this week, which is always nice to see. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And then we follow off with a Western clash between San Diego and Houston. And this is in the battle for the playoff spots in the West, you know, San Diego hosting, but you know, this game was, uh, started out as looking uh, right in uh, San Diego's favor with a Peter Malcolm try in the fourth minute. But three minutes later, Gideon Van Wink scores a try for the Sabercats and, you know, kind of set the tone for the match at that point because um, Houston ended up scoring six tries this game and all different try scorers. I think Ryan Mateus, you know, had a great collection kick that was. Um, you know, I think this, I think I may have got my games pick up. This was the game in which uh, Houston scored a try in the 56 minute, uh, got the conversion, and then was setting up for um, to receive the kickoff. San Diego kicked it. Um, Mateus was able to collect the ball and score a try. Uh, you know, Mateus recently announced that he was retiring from international duty, focusing on uh, playing for the Legion and coaching as well. And, you know, what a great way to cap off that announcement by proving, you know, still got it, still able to score tries. Fantastic work. Uh, but you know, after that try was scored, uh, it was Dean Muir in the 66th minute. And then finally to end the game, Zachary Pangolinen in the 79th minute. The final score, San Diego 24, Houston 34. Um, I think this was the... Uh, I don't know if it was the only game to have yellow cards, but it was uh, only only game in which both teams had yellow cards. We still we still got to go one week in which no MLR team gets a yellow card during uh, competition. But uh, no, that's it'll a, come one day. It'll come. Does it matter if it comes? Is that really a big deal? Is that something that other leagues strive for? Is uh, you know, as in. Anything that can keep your entire team on the field throughout the game is always a plus. So that's ah, all right. Um, yeah. So uh, man, the uh, that's a big win for uh, for Houston, obviously, with the uh, the playoff race, the way it's shaping up out in the West to beat San Diego at, in San Diego. It's uh, that's massive. Now they're they're sitting tied with tied with Seattle, thirty six points each. Yeah. Man, and uh, San Diego too, also not far behind, just with thirty-three points. Man, like yes, uh, but I this just, is the thing: Houston have a game in hand, so on both of them, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, th- so that's the thing. Well, now we're in, now we're in the the definite business end of yeah. the season. It's when's, like this is Houston's bye week. Oh no, Houston have already had that. Bye oh, they've it's, already... it's Seattle and San Diego that yeah, need to have that. Bye. Yes, excuse me, you're correct. So uh, Seattle, Seattle's got a week 16 by 
And uh, San Diego has the final week, the week 18 by. So San oh, that's gonna be tough. San Diego's you're gonna have to yeah. put uh put in your performance in week 17, and then you get to sit, you have to sit and watch what happens in week 18. Yeah, it's, it's never that's fun rough. having the last week as a bye week. Yeah, you just have to is, like biting your rough. fingernails essentially at that point. Yeah, just pure scoreboard watching. That is rough. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. But okay. anyway. Well, speaking of uh, rough circumstances, let's talk about the Seattle game because, boy, howdy, this was a uh, okay. this was a record setter to say the least. So, uh, game starts. Dan Creel able to get a try within the first minute, but uh, if you go through every single try, man, it's, we're going to be like twenty minutes over time here. No, no, I'm just saying that Dan Creel got the first try, and then Carla Denishan, um, after phenomenal scrum work. From the Jackals, as they yeah, to, yeah, get it. Um, Chris Pinnell um, converted in ninth minute, and that's when Dallas stopped scoring for the rest of the game because Andrew Jura Talo scored in the twelfth minute, and then Rick Hatting got the first of his two tries. Sam Mantiga got the first of his two tries. Ross Neal got the first of his two tries, and Naomi Futite got the first of his two tries. So four players from Seattle scored two tries. That's Eight, uh, Andrew Giratolo, Dan Creel, and Sean McNulty got one each. So that is 11 tries for Seattle. Al- Alatimu, eight for 11 on conversions. Um, yeah, and well, as well as a penalty. Final score Seattle 74 to Dallas's seven. All you know, records. All, uh, yep. most, uh, most points, most tries in a game biggest and the highest winning margin highest winning margin uh yeah. the only thing they didn't get they didn't get the the most try scores in a game uh which well I, well that's the thing when, when you're when you're selfish enough to score two tries in the game and you just yeah uh, yeah four guys it's like yeah maybe pa- pass the ball hatting yeah Jeez. selfish you can get a yellow card, yeah, but just, you can't get someone else to score yeah. tries yeah same, same with ross neil man just yeah just pass it to pass it to someone else Classical English, just keeping it all to themselves. But as we mentioned, walking some tries here. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. But as we said, unfortunately, we haven't got any more news of um, trades at the moment. Hopefully, they'll be announced within the next few days. But today, if there is, is, if if there are any trades to be announced, you know, there's still time in the day. I don't know when the cutoff point is. uh, If it's midnight, which midnight, which time zone? Is yeah. that this is going to be one of those podcast episodes. I feel like where a bunch of stuff is going to get announced before it comes out. Yeah, but we'll talk about that uh, in the next episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah, no, nah, and those are all the games that happened this week. And if you're looking to watch any rugby this coming week, we have the Champions and Challenge Cup semifinals this weekend, which you can watch on epcrugby.tv. Uh, Super Rugby Pacific is into its final few rounds, and you can watch that on TSN. If you're looking to watch any of the non-Arrows games, you can find that on the Rugby Network. And if you are looking for the Arrows versus Dallas game and you won't be in the GTA area and unable to come to the match, you can watch it on TSN this Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, uh, everybody should come up to the match, man. So I think they should. Time. Yeah, as in... Good time. Oh. The, uh, the Arrows create a great match day environment. Also... Um, 
hopefully the Leafs and uh, end this series in six. So you don't have to worry about it. And uh, if they don't and they have to go to game seven, you should come to the Arrows game instead of getting your heart broken for the 20th time. Anyway. Yeah. We, we all know how this song and dance goes. So yeah. Don't exactly. put yourself through the heartache. It's like, what would you, what would you rather watch the Arrows put up uh, 50 points on Dallas or the Leafs blow another four, four, one lead or something exactly. and lose game seven. Like, what would you rather watch? Exactly. Well, it has come to round 15. Derek, it is time for us to make our predictions. First up, we have a big Eastern clash, New England versus ATL. I honestly, I I mean, New England's obviously the, probably the best team in the league right now. I am all about, all about Atlanta losing now. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I don't even, I don't even, yeah, I don't even care who they're yeah. playing. I like, at, let's, I just want it out in the universe that Atlanta is going to lose. So I'm, like, yeah, all about Atlanta losing. Sorry, Cole Davis. You're showing up at a very bad time for this franchise. Um, they're they're going to lose every game that you play in this year. Yeah, that's the thing. Atlanta have now got four Canadians, but New England have Sorry, you know, guys. five Canadians on their bench. Five Canadians, to cho- five Mounties to choose from. Oh, yeah. That's, uh... So I, I think it's only fair we go with uh, the those who have uh, been with the Canadian representation longer. So I'll also pick New England. Yeah. Up next, we have under the lights Toronto versus Dallas. Derek, we're both picking Toronto, aren't we? Obviously, obviously, they need they need these wins, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm looking. It's gotta be a big bounce back game, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to Toronto uh, crushing it next week. Okay, the third game of the round is a big clash in the West. It is Houston versus Utah. Utah need the win to stay within the playoff race, but you know, it's Houston have just been on another level recently. I think I will be going with the Sabercats. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm all for Utah just ruining people's ears with uh, how tight this Western Conference is. Uh, let's go. Let's go, Utah. Let's make uh, let's have some fun in the West. Let's make this uh, insanely tight. Okay, now we've gone from the West. We're now going to another Eastern game. It is Nola Gold, back from their bye week, hosting Old Glory DC. Who's at home? When I said Nola is hosting. Oh, Nola is hosting. kind of gave it away. That's what that means? Oh, man. Okay, so DC then. If Nola's at home, DC, I'm picking DC because. Oh yeah, that's. Uh, they might be the worst home team. Nola might be the worst home team in sports right now. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, they they've they're what zero and six at home this season. Yeah, and you know DC have been performing. I mean, if they could get a temporary lead against uh, the league leaders at the moment, it's yeah. uh, definitely saying something. Yeah, you know, I'm going to pick DC as well. (laughs) All right. Either one of us having faith in Nola at home, eh? Yeah, yeah. back from a bye week, freshly refreshed, but it's at home. I can't wait to see the cool bet betting lines. I want to see if they (laughs) uh, got got a team that's technically in last versus a team that can't win at home. It's going to be an interesting Mm -hmm. line. Okay. uh, The fifth game we have is New York. Versus Seattle at JFK Stadium. So, man, I now this is where I'm going to go with my heart because I want to help Toronto as much as they can. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to take a leaf out of your book. I'm going to go for the team that can help benefit the hours as much as possible. So, I will be going with Seattle. 
I like I like your mind. I like your mindset here. Let's uh, let's go. Yeah, Seattle. Let's go. Let's go. Sea Wolves. All right. All right. And then the final game of the weekend. It's an entirely Western match, and it's for the Cali Cup as San Diego hosts the LA Guiltinis. Derek, who do you have? Oh man, that's a uh, that's a big one. It's a big one too. Um, I think I'm going to take LA. I think uh, they've been playing. They've been killing it lately. They've been playing really well. They've been getting guys back from injuries, getting guys back from some suspensions. I think is Ie back this week. Uh, let me. Or does he have it. one more? I have a feeling it's a game against the, Utah. No, that's Hermosize that back against Utah, isn't it? Uh, Dallas is when IE is back. Oh. So that is the week. That's the uh, week after. That's the week before Utah, but it's a week after this one. So, uh, so yeah, I, 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 I so is never not mind. Available. Never mind. Either way. So my logic is apparently completely flawed, but I'm still going to pick LA. Yeah, I think uh, Austin have, you know, won the best defenses and LA was able to match it as well. San Diego has proven this match against the game against uh, Houston that's, you know, indiscipline still creeping in. Um, so I will be agreeing with you and hopefully we can see uh, another Ben Lesage try. I'm picking LA. Saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness on the weekend as well. No rugby references. It's a shame. MCU, come on. And the same, and uh, like out of all the multiverses they had, they didn't have like a rugby universe. It's sad. Uh, no rugby reference in Moon Knight either. It's uh, it's a damn shame what's going well, on. I will say, if you're looking for anything that has rugby references in it, uh, Netflix has a series called Heartstopper, which is about yeah. uh, two uh, schoolboys finding love, but one of them plays for the rugby team and convinces uh, the other one to uh, join the rugby team so they can uh, spend a bit, a bit of time together. So I've know, watched you... like two episodes of it. Have you have you watched more? Or? I I haven't yet because uh, I think it's uh, still like an episodic release. So no, either no, way, I, I think they got like all. I think it's eight, eight or ten or something like that. That's all yeah. up. Yeah, it's all up. I've only watched the first two episodes. It's pretty funny. Yeah, but if there's uh, there's clearly a lot of rugby in it, so that's the reason. Yeah, there's a decent. It. it seems like a decent a big piece of the plot so far. That's always good. Anyway, Derek and I have made our predictions, but if you are looking for the Toonies predictions, you can find that on our TikTok account. In fact, you can find us across all social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Rouge Rugby. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can listen to more of our back catalogue on Anchor FM, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if you like watching the podcast, you can see all our episodes, as well as clips that we have from games, including interviews as said with the aforementioned Andrew Coe and Quinn Nawadi on our YouTube channel. Again, that is at The Rouge Rugby. Derek, where can people find you on social media? At uh, the Jet across every single social media platform that you could possibly think of. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram mainly at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Well, Derek, thank you for joining me for this episode of the podcast. And thank you all for joining us. We hope you can join us again next time.